Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. Lately, and a big shout out to all the dads in the house. Happy Father's Day. Come on. It's my, uh, I think I said in the announcements, this is my favorite day of the year. My kids, they quizzed me a bit this week and I realized it's probably my second favorite day of the year. I think Christmas just nudges it. I'll be honest, right? Christmas just nudges it, but I do, I do really genuinely love Father's Day. And a big shout out to all our dads who are watching online, uh, physical, spiritual. Uh, you know, I think even those who have that desire to be a dad, uh, it's a good desire. And um, we're praying for you if you're on that journey, believing for some breakthrough. If, as Pastor Jez said, if today has a sting to it, then we're praying for you too. And uh, believe in that, you would know uh, that your Father in heaven is so, so good and so close. Come on. But we've been in a journey through Mark. It's been fantastic. And uh, I really believe that God is, is doing something, reshaping um, us as a people. We have that prophetic word about new wineskins, right? Who knows new wineskins are not just new branding. It's not just a new logo. Really, at its core, it is a new us. It is a new framework at which we operate within in regards to God and ourselves. And if we are to carry the, whatever the new thing that God has that he is looking to pour out through the power of his spirit, if we are to carry that within us, really what we need is a new framework. And we need to let go of some of the ways in which we have structured our ideas and our ideologies around God, the church, his people, even ourselves, if we are to step into this new thing that God has for us. And so really felt that going through this, this book, where really Jesus addresses a lot of that uh, in terms of the Pharisees, that, that the Holy Spirit would begin to work in us. But along the way, you know, we've, we've thrown some shade on some old traditions. Uh, we've thrown some shade on, on the organ a little bit, a little bit. So I thought today, just for a bit of fun, because, you know, uh, Pastor Simo reminded us in our, our little pre-prayer, God's a God of fun, right? He likes to have fun. I said to Will last week, I gave him a little bit of homework. I can't get past my school teacher. I said, why don't you bring a bit of organ back? So he's going to try. He's going to try. We, 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 I don't know if we've arrived at it yet, but he's going he's gonna to bring a bit of organ back. What's, what, have we got a bit of organ sound? Come on, Will. Bust out a bit of organ. Oh, there it is. Come on. All right. Because, because it's, it's often not the item of the tradition that's the issue. It's, it's the ideology that it traps you in. Okay? <laughs> ah! We've had a sub. We've had a sub. Ah! It's the anointing right there. But um, here we go. We'll see how we go. We're going to have a bit of fun. When I, get, when I get a bit worked up, Will Joel is going, to, uh, is going to play some organ. All right. I get, to, I, get to be, I get to be a little bit free on Father's Day and talk about sports without getting in trouble for, for my constant sports analogies. But um, I, I love, I love... I don't, I don't watch a lot of rugby league. I watch a lot of, a lot of Premier League. And um, one's Premier and the other's not. But we'll fight that out later. But I do love the state of origin, right? And if you are... Ah, oh, yeah, see? Come on. Woo, feel it. 
And what I, one of the things I love about the State of Origin, and if you were at our, our last men's event, that was, a, that was a great night, right? Like we had a lot of fun that night, hanging out and eating a lot of meat. But, um, but what I love about the State of Origin is that, that tension of conflict, right? Like you, can, you just feel it from the build-up. You, you know at some point it's going to erupt. And I've got to be careful, right? Because you're not allowed to celebrate the biff. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to make a big deal about it. But there is something that you can just, there's this like a niggle here and a face plant there and an elbow there. And it's, just, it's building, right? Like you can tell at some point this is going to flow over and someone is going to throw that punch. You, that was a that was a that was a seventh chord, seventh minor seventh right there. You just know it, right? And it's like there's something. If I'm allowed to be this politically incorrect, there's something about us in men. We love that, right? There's something in men that we are. We're actually wired for conflict. We're wired to confront. We're wired to not back down from a fight. And when, and when there is a niggle and a niggle and a niggle, we think it's wrong to engage, but actually what we see in this passage is that there is a righteous way to engage in confrontation when it is based on your convictions. And I'm here to tell you that as men in this generation, we need to find that. Because we are in a war for truth. Truth is on the battlefield. It's not in my notes, but I feel truth is on the battlefield at the moment. We are, we are in a culture that is driving relativism where no truth is truth. The issue with that for us as believers if we, is that we believe there is an absolute truth. We actually believe that the Word of God, what He says about life and us and Himself is truth. End of discussion, that's it. And I believe that as men, we have got to get to a point where we are willing to be a little bit confrontational around that reality. And I believe that we can be led by the Spirit in that so that it is not done incorrectly, but that it is absolutely done in love and truth. We are not called to wash and, 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 and be washed over. We are not called to be swayed around by every teaching that comes and goes. No, we're actually called to be strong and steadfast in the convictions of the Word of God. And this is what we see in this passage. We see, we see Jesus Possibly not in maybe the way that we've pictured him always. We see a different Jesus. And you've got to understand, right, we're in, we, we are literally starting chapter 3 and already Mark has told us four times where Jesus has had this slow niggle, right, growing around the Sabbath. This is the fourth, what we're reading here today, Mark 3 verse 1. This is the fourth time that we reach some conflict around the Sabbath. The first one is where he does some deliverance on the Sabbath. The second one is where he goes to, to Peter's mother-in-law and heals her on that same Sabbath day. The third one is, is, is to do with the grain, right? Uh, Pastor Simo preached that last week. Fantastic message. 
right? They're eating grain on the Sabbath. Who would have thought the carbs on Sunday was a bad idea, right? But apparently they had an issue. And this is the fourth one, right? The fourth one in, in less than three chapters where Jesus comes in a confrontation on the Sabbath. And this time we meet a man in the house of God with a deformity, a deformed hand. And this is a major moment. We've got to understand the significance of this point in Scripture because what occurs at the conclusion of this confrontation is a major moment in the narrative of of the life of Christ. Because if you read, and I'm sorry I haven't read our Scripture, I know I'm just breaking with tradition a little bit there, but but verse 6, verse 6, this is the conclusion. We're going to go from the end to the beginning. Sorry, AV guys. Verse 6 says this, and then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the conflict which cements their decision that Christ must die. That's a significant moment. And we need to not miss what this conflict is about. Because there are conflicts where you should die on the hill, and there are conflicts where you should not. And that goes for our marriages, that goes for our parenting, that goes for the workplace. There are some mountains that we are not called to die on. But there was one that he was. And that mountain was the new covenant. It was the, it was the replacement of what the, 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 the ramifications or the boundaries around relating to God was all about. And that mountain was what Jesus was willing to die on. You see, the Sabbath was pretty significant to the Pharisees. It was, it was a part of the Mosaic law, right? We heard this from Pastor Simo last week. In fact, it was commandment number four. The first one, the first part of the commandments are all about God, right? They're all about how we should approach him. No, and there'll be, you worship no other God before me. Don't use my name in vain, right? These are all the, the first couple of commandments. And the fourth one is about the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. If you want to go back and have a look at it, that's in Leviticus, okay? But, but more than that, because the law was a part of the, 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 the identity of the Israelites, this fourth commandment, this Sabbath was one component of the law that, that even being under the rulership of someone else, they held to as this marks who we are. This defines us. This thing is so, so important. And they were so wound up in this and its importance because of what it meant to them. In fact, I would say that they, were, they, were, they, were, they had a desperation to keep the law. Why? We've we've mentioned this a couple of times now. It's because for them, keeping the law meant success. Keeping the law was the one thing they were trying to do more than anything because if they did that, somehow that was going to trigger God bringing the Messiah to them to release them from the oppression of whoever it was that was ruling them at that time. And they were once again going to walk into the fulfillment of the promises that they had been given all the way back at Abraham. This is what they thought would happen if they kept the law. And so they, they, were, they were pretty keen, you know. They're going to be this blessed nation. They were, going to, they were going to have all of these things. They were going to have a land. They were going to flow with milk and honey. They were going to be blessed to be a blessing. All of these promises... 
they had put on the back of keeping the law, and in particular, the Sabbath. However, when you read that, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, most of us have, have like a, uh, we go, oh, yes, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that, so we're going to do that, it's going to be great, we're going we're to get, how? How do we keep a day holy? That's a little bit... The commandments don't come with hows, right? How how are we supposed to keep a day holy? Or should I I get up early or should I not get up early? Should I I pray or should I not? Like, what makes it holy? And this is exactly where we see the shift between the Mosaic law and the Jewish law. And again, Pastor Simo touched on this so well last week, right? Because what they were trying to do is answer how. And, and by trying to answer how, they came up with 260 extra requirements around the Sabbath. Why? Well, because they had to answer how. Because they, they felt an obligation to the nation of Israel to explain how they were supposed to keep this day holy. And so we shift from the Mosaic law to, to the Jewish law. And as Pastor Simo said, the Jewish law had this, this, for all the engineers in the house, it had a factor of safety built into it, right? We all know about factor of safety, right? We're going to build a bridge. It can hold 20 tons, right? So we're going to, we're, we think it will possibly have to carry that at some point in its life, so we'll build it to carry 100. Factor of safety. The Pharisees built a factor of safety or a factor of guarantee because they were, they were trying to ensure, they were trying to make sure, they were trying, to, they were trying in, in, in their behavior to guarantee that, 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 that people would abide by what they had to, to get the promise. So they created this buffer zone, this factor of safety. Trying to guarantee performance. You see, the issue there is the performance is, is the essential element of religion. And so what they did in doing this was they, they replaced what was supposed to become a relationship with religion. And they made, they made everything about God religious behaviors, all of these things that you had to do, ultimately attempting to achieve perfection. It's interesting, right? When we talk about religion, performance, and perfection are often interchangeable. To be good at religion requires perfection. It requires a performance. You've got to do it right, and you've got to do it right all the time. And the pressure that comes with that, right? The pressure of religion. But also, I don't know if you realize this, we, we, we bring that same attitude into other aspects of, right, of, of life, right? It has, it has the pressure of parenting. I've got to do it right. And I've got to do it right all the time. Or the, or the pressure of being a husband or a wife. Right? Or, 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 or the pressure in the workplace, like what to achieve. You will place pressure on your life wherever it is that you have attributed the definition of success. Whatever you put up and hold up as success in your life will be where you feel the most pressure. And the issue with that, the issue with that is that it, for the Israelites, it created a, a shift. It created a shift, right? It's a shift in focus. Because the Sabbath was made for man to focus on God. But when we, when we make something about our behavior, the focus shifts from God to me. 
right? Because the Sabbath was supposed to be a time where, where it was like, wow, God's awesome. You can throw some organ in whenever you want, man. There we go. Like, stop, stop, think, see, taste, taste and see that I am good. That's what the Sabbath was meant to be. There we go, he's got it now. The Sabbath is do nothing and he still loves me. He still accepts me. Because it's not about my performance, right? But they, they completely flipped it. They made it all about their performance. And so the Sabbath became this focus on my performance and my behavior and do I do this or don't I do this? And so the Sabbath no longer was a focus on God. Sabbath became a focus on man. And so now they've all got their, their heads down, like navel-gazing. Oh, oh, God, oh, don't stuff up, don't stuff up, don't stuff up. And many of us parent with the same mindset. Don't stuff up, don't get it wrong, don't stuff up, don't stuff up, don't do what my dad did. Oh, my dad wasn't there, so now I don't know what I'm doing. So now I feel pressure anyway. Don't be like my dad. Or maybe, maybe it's the flip side. Do be like my dad. My dad was my hero, my dad was awesome, so much pressure to be like him. But when we get it right, some of us need to take a parenting Sabbath. I didn't get it right, but he still loves me. You know, I'm in bed this morning, kids come in, and I'm an emotional guy, right? So, like, I'm bawling. <laughs> yes! Because they're bringing all this stuff, right? Like, you're my hero. I love you so much. And, I'm, and in my head, it's like, like I yelled at you yesterday. Just take a parenting Sabbath, guys. <laughs> Just chill out. You're not going to get it right all the time. And actually, that's okay. Because you're not the one that needs to be perfect. Someone else was perfect. And actually, we're, we're supposed to be the pointer. Like we're, it's, it's great to hear that we're, like, I'm my son's hero. I love that. But one day I'm going to be like, but you know what? I'm, I'm a shadow of, some, of something else. Actually, the, the true hero is, is, is Jesus. Right, because he's the one who died for me. Like The reason I can be who I am is by the grace of God. The reason that I can have any confidence at all, the reason that I can have joy, the reason that I can have peace, those things that you, you aspire to have, those things that you look at me and go, I want to be like that, those things are because of him. Nailed it. The Pharisees, the issue with this story, right, Jesus comes in and the Pharisees saw healing as work to be done. You're going to have to go back and read the passage yourselves and trust me. But, but I wonder what would change in your parenting if your focus was on how much God loved you, not on getting it right all the time. We create men, guys, husbands, fathers. We create so much pressure in our homes because of the pressure we put on ourselves. And you just need to let that go. Let there be joy in your home. Let there be peace in your home. You can orchestrate and construct the atmosphere of your home by how you think about yourself. And the Pharisees, they saw, they saw work, healing as work. This was illegal on the Sabbath. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing, because we, this is, this is, we, we think that our transformation is work that we have to do. And I don't know how many times, and maybe this is an overshare, and that, we'll, we'll work through that, but 
How many times I have got frustrated with my kids, not because they're really doing anything all that wrong, but because I am irritated at my own dysfunction. I am worked up and irritated because I have done that thing again or I have got myself in that same position again in my head and actually I'm out, now I'm parenting out of a lack and so what they get is what's really aimed at me. And I want to yell at myself because I don't feel like I'm good enough or I'm messed up again and I'm not good enough and I'm not doing it right and I think that my transformation and my journey of change is my work to be done and well maybe I'm not getting it right all the time and they get that because that's what's flowing out of what's in me. But you see, our healing is way more about receiving than working. Scripture tells us to love as I have loved you. Some of you are trying so hard to love better and you don't know that you're loved. You don't know how deeply you're loved, how deeply you're accepted. You can't Give what you have not received. Scripture tells us to give what we have. Freely you have received, now freely give. There is a process. You must know that you're accepted to openly accept. You must know that you are fully loved to openly then love. You must know that grace is sufficient for you to not hold the performance of your child's behavior over them, but to be able to let it go in a moment. And this is where boss Jesus steps up because he is not willing to allow the Pharisees to continue to instigate an ideology of performance when he has come to bring grace. I'm gonna, I got a smiley face. This is the confrontation that's been brewing. Jesus is like enough is enough. This is grace versus religion. This is the cross versus performance. This is the new covenant. This is the wide open arms of the Father versus the restriction of the law. This is a mountain worth dying on. You know, sometimes we see Jesus as meek and mild, lowly, this lowly shepherd with a little lamb on his shoulders, with his little all, all caring this little blonde hair, blue-eyed, white, pristine, like somehow it's carrying sad wonder soap while he's out in the fields. And there's a blue sash. Where did the blue sash come from? It's not Jesus. We're going to shift our, our, our perception of Jesus. Jesus was a man's man. Jesus was rugged. He's an outdoors man. Right? Like we're going to see him with this like I didn't shave today for, for purpose. Oh, I'm just lazy. You know, like he's got this beard, his sun baked outside, he's fit. I like to think Jesus has a six-pack, right? Like he's walking everywhere. He's walking everywhere. He's living off fish, flatbread. It's basically gluten-free, right? Like Jesus is, is rugged. I talking to Rachel. She's like, I reckon Jesus was handsome. I do too. I reckon he was a good-looking guy. But you know what else? He was confident, but humble. He was rock solid on his convictions. He was strong, and he was willing to confront. 
He was compassionate. He was full of love and grace, but from a place of strength and authority. He was disciplined. He was courageous and kind. He's the boss. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the king of kings. He's the rider on the horse whose robe is dipped in blood, his sword coming out of his mouth, and on his thigh is written king of kings and lord. Yeah, he's got ink. He's tattooed. That's right. He's probably got some, he's probably got a cross on his arm just here. It'd be an empty one though because he's not on it anymore. Come on. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is not passive aggressive. Jesus will lovingly, deliberately confront incorrect ideologies that are trying to bind people and restrict people because he has come to bring freedom and life and joy. You see, grace is confrontational to our ideas and our ideologies, which too often are rooted in our own performance. says this in Luke eleven forty six, which I definitely was the wrong verse. I gave the AV guys, but here we go. This is what Jesus says. He says, you load people down with burdens that they can barely carry and you yourselves won't lift a finger to help them. That's how he saw what the Pharisees were doing to his people. And he has come to lift that burden because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. It doesn't involve our performance It involves His. You see, as men, we are particularly bad at this because we we somehow always seem to come back to our own performance, whether it's sport or the workplace, parenting, our marriage, in the area of sex, something for the men, that's a particular one, performance. And we define ourselves by those things by our performance in those areas or our lack of. But it's in this place that we see this true expression of godly masculinity in Jesus. Savage, confrontational. He's got fight on the inside of him. He's a warrior. He's filled with righteous anger at the oppression. He's ready to stand but he's also filled with compassion and care, a desire to comfort and heal those that are broken and hurting, those that are are weakened by life in some season. He's ready to heal. And in this passage today, what we have, we have this, this man with this deformed hand in the house of God. And Jesus uses him as the moment the climax of confrontation. Because if you read the passage, and, and we don't necessarily have time to go, to go there this morning fully, but, but he brings the man. He says, come and stand in front of everyone. <laughs> and then when he brings the man with the deformed hand who's sitting in the house of God with something in his life that's not working properly, something in his life that's not working well, he brings him out the front, kind of stands next to him, and then and he, doesn't, he doesn't actually speak to him. He speaks to the Pharisees and he says, hey, so tell me, 
is it right to heal? Is it right to save a life? And they can't answer because they don't have a framework for saving a life. All the framework they have is one that brings oppression. And yet they can't acknowledge that they're wrong. Men, do you know what is one of the most important things that we can do? Acknowledge we don't know. Or that we were wrong. There is a humility that we need that comes not from our performance in terms of our knowing, but in knowing that we are accepted anyway. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord, not to be afraid, no, because perfect love casts out all fear, but a reverence and an awe because we know who the real king is. We know our place under his rulership and his authority, and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I can tell you, if I'm in an enclosure with a lion, I'm going to do what he says because I know he's bigger and I know he's stronger. And I can add to that when I'm talking about Jesus that I know he's good and I know he's for me, but you better believe he's also king of kings and the Lord of lords. And knowing that means I relinquish my need to be God of my own life, knowing everything and doing everything right. And this whole passage is this contrast. This whole passage is this contrast of men centered around the man with the dysfunction. You have the Pharisees driving performance and you have Jesus on the other side driving grace. And do you want to know where we are? We are the man in the middle with the deformity. And we get to choose which way we lean. I'm telling you this morning, there is an opportunity right now to lean in to Jesus where His grace is sufficient. We don't need to hide our dysfunction and our deformity because perfection is not our pursuit. Jesus is our pursuit because His perfection covers all of my imperfections. His sufficiency, His performance covers all of my lack. His forgiveness is enough. His grace is sufficient. And the shriveled hand acts as this image of our hearts. Any area of our lives where religion and performance has begun to strangle the life out of that area, it begins to shrivel up. There's no life flow. The river of the Spirit is still flowing in us and we're getting tighter and our heart is getting harder and we're getting more shriveled and it's coming out and it's bitter and it's twisted like the hand. And Jesus says, let it go. Let go. Let go of that pressure to perform. Whatever it is, let it go. 
Release the pressure valve this morning. Let the life of the, the life of Jesus flow afresh in you this morning. Just receive this morning. Stop trying so hard this morning. Men, stop trying. You do not need to prove that you can perform. You don't need to prove it. He loves you anyway. You're accepted anyway. You're approved of anyway. And the harder you try, the more shriveled you're getting. The harder your heart is getting. And you need to stop. Because you need to show your kids and your family what it means to stop trying for perfection and to receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 